Nicely done, beef. No matter how you're cooked. Grilled, sautéed, stir-fried, roasted, or stewed. Your savory sounds are music to everyone's ears. Yeah, now that's a dinner playlist. Good cooking at Beef. It's what's for dinner.com. Funded by Beef Farmers and Ranchers. And welcome to Sunday Coffee. Alabama winning last night 49-9 over Mississippi State. I'm Bart Gregory along with Charlie Winfield. We're in the Farm Bureau studios in downtown Startwell. Man, it feels like fall. It feels great outside. Yesterday was perfect. Charlie, before we get into the ball game, into the actual play of guys wearing helmets and shoulder pads, I tell you what, last night, if you could bottle that up, if you could bottle that temperature, not a cloud in the sky, when I think of college football, that's what I think of. I think of mid-October, perfect weather, it could not be beat. Now, like I said, let's throw the game out. Let's not talk about Bryce Young yet. Let's not talk about missed tackles yet. Let's not talk about giving up big plays yet. Let's talk about the weather. Let's talk about the atmosphere. Good crowd, good tailgating yesterday. If we're thinking about positive thoughts, I thought the grand scheme of everything was exceptional yesterday. Yeah, other than the game, things were great. Is that uh, is that where you want me to go? Uh, other than the play, Miss Lincoln. Yeah. So, yes, if you would like me to talk about the atmosphere, it was good. In fact, one of the reasons I really like having games later in the day and not the 11 o'clock game, there were people out on campus starting around noon, even before, just hanging out, watching games, enjoying being back on campus, having some sense of normalcy. The atmosphere was really good. The weather was perfect. It was a Chamber of Commerce day. Look, that that's the right temp, it's the right time, it's the right everything other than. Well, and you go back, and we talked about this on Friday in our deep dig, or we talked about it, uh, no, actually we talked about it Wednesday in our Out of Left Field show, talking about how in, in today's world of trying to get fans to come to games and not stay at home, you can't replicate what you saw as far as atmosphere, as far as tailgating, as far as the experience. You can't replicate that in your backyard. That's the dividing point is what you saw yesterday. No, that was a, a day that makes you want to buy tickets and come back right? all the way up until around 6.15, 6.20. Well, let's talk about it. Right? Okay, let's do it. Let's talk about it. And so – Last night, it seems like we just got off the postgame show last night. And, and I'm not mad, by the way. That question of how do you feel, do you feel better, do you feel worse, and I don't want to say I'm, I'm indifferent, but yesterday was one of those games, and I use that term all the time, vegetable lasagna. That's kind of my emotions right now. I don't like to lose. I don't like to lose 49-9. I'm not one of those guys that makes excuses, oh, well, you know, that's just the same old, same old Mississippi State against Alabama. I mean, when you really start looking at it, Alabama is – I don't think they're 40 points better than us. But I look back at the first half. Charlie. Oh, they convinced me they are. <laughs> well, well look, you need more proof. Yeah, I do. I mean, I need, <laughs> let, let's play, 30, let's play 30 more minutes. I'll never forget when State went over. It's the year after we won the SEC in basketball. So, it would have been 2005. We go over to Alabama. We get beat by like, you know, we're down like 50 at half or something. 98 to 49, and Ernest Shelton scored about 85 points. <laughs> Sitting at lunch at Smokos. Well, they hadn't proven anything to me. I was like, well, what else did you need? (laughs) 
That was <laughs> you need an overtime just to <laughs> rub it in. What what'd you need there? That was a game that uh, that that Mike Slive had just been named the commissioner of the SEC, and he walked up. And if you know anything about Jack Crystal, you do not tap him on the shoulder while he's talking while he's broadcasting the game. And he <laughs> taps Jack on the back shoulder and says, "Hey, I've always wanted." And he's in on the air. I <laughs> I don't know why he would do this. Jack was on the air. And Mike Slive tapped him and says, "Hey, Jack, I've always wanted to meet you." I'm Mike Slive, and Jack looked at him and went, "So." <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I digress. Yesterday, I thought the first half, and we talked about this in our number segment on Friday, and we'll get into our numbers in just a minute, about we said we needed to – I said we needed to be within seven points of the half. And I felt actually like that was attainable all the way until three minutes to go in the first half. I thought we played well overall, grand scheme of things-wise, except for – some big plays. Once again, how was the play, Miss Lincoln? The pick six was big. I thought the pick to end the first drive was big. But I thought the missed tackle. And what did we say on Friday? Missed tackles in our secondary. Drop balls by wide receivers. We saw drops. We saw missed tackles. We saw a little bit of everything for Alabama to build out and score those three touchdowns in the first half. If you go and you look, almost all our numbers, and I know we'll talk about these in a minute, we missed all of them. Basically, all the ingredients that you have to have to beat a team like Alabama, we got the opposite. We got it exactly wrong, what you needed. But I, I don't know why. And this is not a – I'm kind of like you. This is not a, well, you don't expect more from Mississippi State. No, it's not that. I guess I think back – you ever see Band of Brothers? It's been a while. So There's the great line where the guys kind of worried under fire, and I think it was Lieutenant Spears who comes along and says, the only hope you have is to realize you're already dead. And that's kind of the attitude I took into the game yesterday. The only hope I had at maintaining sanity was to kind of understand that this was what was probably coming. Look, in sports, sometimes the better team wins. And that's what happened last night. And, look, we can hug our roster, man. You know, you can look at it and you can break it down and you can look and say, man, we got the best receivers. We got the best. We're so good here, there. Look, we're familiar with our guys. And this is not a knock on our guys. We have some guys who were legitimate players who could play at Alabama. The difference is we don't have as many as they do. And so you go back and you say, why we get just blown out in the second half? They got more of them, and they got a lot of really good players. Yeah, and I want to talk about the second half. And, I I mean, I don't want to you know, jump into effort and things of that nature. When you start doing that, you really have nothing to gain on that. But I thought when Alabama scored to start the second half – we did not play with the same fire and intensity. Now, Mike Leach said after the game, hey, our guys didn't quit. I would have hated to see what quit looks like. I mean, and I don't mean to say that in a bad way, but, I mean, that's kind of the way it is. I mean, I think Alabama had blood in the water, and they brought some guys in. We brought some guys out of the game, especially on the back end of our, our defense, whether you don't you want to weather the storm as far as injury-wise. Hey, that's the thing about Alabama is in the years past that you, know, you lose two games based on the one. Now, the positive is we have Vanderbilt next week. The positive, too, is, is we didn't have any injuries after the game last night. Now, I want to see how Will Rogers is feeling today. I bet he feels like he's been in a truck wreck. Here's your possessions, by the way, in the second half oh, for okay. us. All right. One field goal, three punts, and an interception. For Alabama, one punt and three touchdowns. How many three and outs did we have in the game? Because three. that was that – was, we had three. And two of those came in the second half. They had one. Okay. I thought – as we're still at 10,000 feet, I thought there was a big point in the first quarter last night where they just had the pick six, 
and then we get the ball, we go three and out. And on the third down play, that's when they had the jailbreak, and they came and, and got Will, and he laid on the turf. That was really when he showed that, that he was hurt. And then Alabama gets it and goes tempo, and you're like, okay, here it is. Here's where they try to swarm you. This is where they try to overwhelm you. But we got the stop. We forced the punt. I mean, then we couldn't do anything offensively with it after that. But I thought we weathered that wave right there okay because you're still in the game at that point. It's 14-3. to But we weathered it. And that's why I go back to saying, I don't think, it, what do they say, it's, it's never as, as good as it seems, it's never as bad as it seems. I don't think, especially the first half last night, it's as bad as it seems. I thought we came out moving the football, and it didn't look like we were backing down from them early. It became clear to me fairly early on, though, that our quarterback and our receivers weren't on the same page at times. Not at all. You know, we'd try to go back shoulder, and the guy wasn't looking back shoulder. The defensive back was, but the other guy wasn't. It's some, sometimes they're bad throws. Sometimes there's miscommunications on routes. I think of one yesterday – this was in the second half, but where everybody on the team was running a screen, except for the guy who we were trying to throw the screen to. You know, he's downfield blocking, and Rodgers just has to throw it in the ground because there's nobody there. Yeah, there was some miscommunication. I thought the, the pick six was actually a good play call, and you had that, that flag route with Jaden Wally, and it was there. And I thought it was a situation where Will just threw it downfield a bit too much and it put too much air under it. Uh, Wally didn't, into the wind. Into the wind. Wally didn't come back to get it. Guy picks it off, goes the other way, and scores a touchdown. I thought it was a good play call, and I thought it was there. And I, and I highlight to say into the wind for this. If you've got any flutter on your ball when you throw it into the wind, it, it it's exacerbated, right? Yeah, if it's like it's like golf. You know, if you're on a tee box and you're into the wind, if if you miss it just a little bit left or right, it's going to be accentuated yeah. by the wind. And I think that it had a little flutter to it, so that was accentuated. Well, and I'll say this too. That's a play that when you're playing a Louisiana Tech, a Memphis. You get away with it. You get away with that pass because the defensive back isn't going to try to make the play on the ball the way that Alabama did. You know, this is a much better group back there defensively. All right, let's look at what happened. Let's look at why. Okay, let's look at our numbers. Okay, my first number was seven. We needed to be within seven points of Alabama because they overwhelm you in the first half. They had outscored their opponents 80-20 to 20 in the first quarter and just had completely overwhelmed teams in the first half. I thought they were well on their way to doing that. And I said, you know, we got that stop. Hey, you know, Alabama put together their really their only drive right before the end of the first half. And to that point, I thought we had done a pretty good job defensively. It was like a 16-play drive, by the way. Yeah, and, I, and they drive down and score. We come back, we kick the field goal. I think the inability to get seven instead of three, that's a major point for us having to settle for field goals in the first half. That was that was so big. But I go back to the point, okay, so that, that was seven, so we're not within seven at halftime. My second number was four. Mm. We can only have four missed tackles by our secondary, and that's cornerbacks and safeties. Charlie, you've got all the numbers brought to you by Pro Football Focus. How many missed tackles last night did we have in our secondary? Because I think of the first one. The first one was massive. That was that pass play across the middle. They break the tackle, and then they go for the touchdown. That was their first touchdown. They broke that tackle in the secondary. How many missed tackles did we have in our secondary? Ten. Who? Ten. We ten. had 16 as a team. Ten of those were at cornerback or safety. Well, that's a recipe for disaster. And we said it last night, or we said it Friday, about how 
you know, this is a team that can take the 15-yard slant route and turn it into 40 in a heartbeat. And you start looking at the big touchdowns they had. One of the, the things we didn't talk about with the missed tackles, because it's obvious, I thought last night, sometimes in our secondary, we took bad angles. I was going to say, the thing that gets lost in the missed tackle stat is you got to get close enough to attempt the tackle to miss it. There were a lot of times we didn't have guys in the TV screen. Yeah, it was a it was a tough night for the secondary, without doubt. Well, and of course we brought the blitz. We did, which makes it tougher on your secondary. And that's the reason I said, you know, it's going to be imperative to make tackles in the secondary because you're going to bring linebackers, you're going to blitz. It's going to create more one-on-one situations where it's not like you've got a bunch of help back there if you do miss a tackle. And it's one of those nights like last night where if you miss a tackle, everybody in the stadium, even if they are a cricket follower and don't know football, they know when you missed a tackle. My last number was we need to hold Brian Robinson to just two runs of over 15 yards. We did that. He only had two runs over 10. He had one 10-yard run. He had an 11-yard run, but never anything over 15. Now, I said that. to catch 51 yards. Well, he did. I said that from the standpoint of I thought and we thought, everybody thought that Alabama over the last two weeks has established the run more. They'd run Brian Robinson 60 times over the last two weeks. He had nine runs over 15 yards all year, seven coming in the last two games. I thought that's what set it up. Of They were going to run him hard last night. They ran him, but they didn't run him hard. And so I don't think he had – as many opportunities to get over 15 yards. And I thought our defense, I thought our linebackers, and we'll jump into this a little bit later, as tough of a night as our secondary had, I thought our linebackers last night were pretty good. I think if I walk into the linebacker meeting today, if I'm the linebacker coach, I sit there and say, all right, guys, last night's the blueprint. Going forward, this is how you can play. Well, Buki had, what, 14 tackles last night? Yeah, depending on which numbers you look at, he had as many as 16. I think we had him with 16. And then Jet Johnson had double figures in tackles last night. Aaron Brulade had a good game last night. We didn't have many missed tackles from our linebacking core. And so going forward, if you're looking for any kind of positives at all, I thought our linebackers last night played one of the best games they played. I thought so, too. I thought you've got something you can build upon there. And I thought our scheme last night put a lot of pressure on our linebackers to make plays. But I thought for the most part they responded and did that. Did you have problems with the scheme last night of coming after Bryce Young? I didn't. I, I thought if you're going to win that game, that's how you got to do it. I think the complaint that you can have about our defensive scheme last night is simply that it didn't work, but I don't know what would have. Meaning it's real easy to look back and say, well, we shouldn't have done that. But what's everybody saying before the game? Boy, we better bring some pressure. Well, if we, we better s- get on it. If we sit back, they're going to give you Brian Robinson a lot. Yeah, it's pick your poison. I mean, yeah. that – what it ultimately comes down to is not so much to me the scheme as it is did you make plays or not. They just made more plays. You know, I think we, we talked about this Friday too about how A&M ran a kickoff back last week for a touchdown. Was it A-Chain that ran it back for the touchdown, the yeah. big return? And then Alabama can go all week with its special team guys and say, okay, here's where you made the mistake, and so we got to put more onus on the kickoff coverage unit. Flip the page, look at Mississippi State. Alabama blocked a punt last week for a touchdown. Our guys can go in and say, okay, hey, this team's going to come after you punt-wise. And I thought Alabama tried to come after a couple last night. We did a pretty good job of getting them out. So it's in the back of your mind. I thought Bryce Young last week had happy feet. He never got set. 
he was not as smooth. I thought that gave them a week of practice last week. It looked, he looked like a different quarterback. And I'm not talking about he had an easier time last night. He had some pressure. But he looked like a smoother quarterback last night under pressure than he did the week before against Texas A&M. And so I go back to the point of him having the quote-unquote bad game. And he didn't have a bad game against A&M. But I thought they had a lot of things they could work on after A&M that they appeared to work on this past week. Now, so they got a lot of stuff figured out in the off week. That's absolutely true. By the way, we are in the Farm Bureau studios here in downtown Starville, Mississippi College Town. And, you know, things are starting to wake up downtown a little bit. I guess we're going to have brunch and browse here again, but we are in our Farm Bureau studios. And Bart Gregory over there, as you always do on a Sunday morning, you show up with your strange brew coffee. Guess what kind it is? I don't, I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> It's blueberry cobbler flavored coffee. And so I kept on saying it was blueberry cobbler, and people thought I was eating blueberry cobbler every Sunday morning. But it's blueberry <laughs> He's cobbler. He's a big dessert guy. Yeah, it's blueberry flavored coffee, and it's phenomenal. It's a, it's a tall boy. They have three locations, Strange Brew. They have University Drive, which I go to. They were great this morning as well. You go to the – I'm a Highway 12 guy. You're the Highway 12 guy right there at Spring Street. Yeah, kind of like being able to stay in my car. Do you? Yeah, I'm I'm a drive-through kind of guy. I'm a converser. I like to walk in and say, "Hey, everybody!" You know, mm-hmm. there's two girls over there studying for an exam. I asked them what kind of test they had tomorrow, and they said calculus. I was like, well, "I can't help you," so I'm going to head on over there. And we're going to record a show that later this morning. Here's the thing, and I kind of hate to admit this because you never give away secrets, but I will give give away a secret because there's always business guys that are coming through Startville during the week. If you work in a world in which I do, where you deal with a high volume of emails. Sometimes you have to get out of your office to find that quiet space. And my quiet space is the second floor of your Highway 12 location. Usually if I'm not in my office, and I hate to say this out loud. I wish you would quit saying this because this is my private space and, you know, I kind of had a little thing going. Thank you. Okay. But you can get in a padded chair, nice little chair. Got the internet up there. I like the window seat so you can kind of look outside. Particularly, you know, my day to go is like on a rainy day. I love rainy days. Rainy days is Strange Brew. Yeah, that's, that's my 1,000% of the time. That's a country song. All right, so, yeah, Strange Brew Coffee House. You can't beat the flavor. You can't beat the coffee. They got churning spoon. They got great ice cream. And our good friends at Strange Brew. All right, so your numbers. Well, my first number was 68. I said we needed to rush for less than 68 yards. Got we that one. Win. <laughs> Well, if you take a look, we actually got into the 50s if you look at sack-adjusted yards, and that's what I tend to focus on, meaning I look at traditional rushing plays as opposed to how many you lose with sacks. We had 52, 4.3 per carry. And you say, why did you think we needed to not run the football? Part of it is this. Ultimately, whether you like Mike Leach's philosophy or you do not, his goal is to throw the football and not to run it. And if we were going to come out and do what we wanted to do last night, it was going to involve passing the football and having success. That was what we wanted to do. We didn't do that well enough. Only 300-yard passing game Alabama's given up all year, but we hit there but not in the way that you needed to because we weren't having enough success. It wasn't a matter of choice necessarily. What were our yards per carry? 4.3. After adjusting for a sack. Yeah, we had, what, negative 41 in sack yards last night? No, it's going to have to be more than that. It's going to because we have a negative one rushing yard on the game. So, we must have had a negative 53. Oh, okay. 
Yeah, right. 53. Seven sacks, we lost 53 yards. Okay, so you take out the sack-adjusted yards. I thought, especially first half, we had some good play calls with a run. We didn't try to stretch much. We didn't try to get outside left. And, I, and you can't do that against a team like Alabama. Mm-hmm. I thought the straight runs and I thought the shovel passes, I thought everything with the run game last night really worked in well to kind of you know, soften the Alabama up just a little bit. Um, but I didn't think we ran it too much. No, I, I thought we did what we needed to do running the football. I don't have any complaints there. This game was not going to be different had we come out and said, by golly, we're going to establish the run. That's not the difference in winning, losing this game. Other numbers were one and one. It was one touchdown allowed in the first quarter. We missed there. And the other was one drop by a receiver on a down-the-field throw. We had three, and we had them in a hurry. Three early, and I think that really changed the complexion of one the way – I think drops do so many different things. I think it kind of demoralizes, one, the receiver. It puts something in the back of his head. Two, the quarterback, who I'm getting popped back here, and you know, you're dropping a pass. And three, the, the offensive line is – I got Will Anderson who's beating on me here. I'm trying to do everything I can for four seconds, and then, you know, a guy's dropping a pass. You know, Jay Perry last night in our in our radio broadcast late in the second half, and we, we keep on talking about this offense, about how you can't be behind the chains. This team can't have bad things happen. And as far as coming back from penalties, coming back from negative plays, at one time in the fourth quarter, and I don't know how we finished the game last night, at one time in the fourth quarter – we did not have a drive where we did not have a sack, a drop ball, or a penalty. You talk about playing essentially behind the chains all night last night. We had it on we had a drive killer on every single drive. You mentioned my guy Will Anderson. We talked about him on Friday. He was one of the players we highlighted for Alabama. Anderson in the ball game yesterday. Eight quarterback pressures two sacks, two other times that he hit the quarterback, and four times that he got a hurry, once that he batted down a pass at the line of scrimmage. And you've talked about this when we walked in today, Bart, because when we talk about our offensive line, by the way, Charles Cross had the highest pass protection grade that he's had all season. Really? And so that's we look for some positives. One of the things that's a bit unfortunate, you see a guy get kind of some recognition as being a potential first-round pick, and your first instinct sometimes as a fan, well, our potential first-round pick wasn't very good. Well, no, he was. He actually was pretty good, and his tape last night will do him some good come draft time. We had some other spots, and a lot of people like to pick on Lashley at right tackle. That wasn't it. He, in fact, was not our lowest-rated pass blocker last night. In fact, there were two below him. But you go back and you look, he did have a tough night. He allowed three sacks, and – who was the guy across from him all day long. So let me ask you this question, all right, and, and, and not to pick on Scott Lashley, and we don't like to pick on players, but, hey, if we're going to say the quarterback's name, let's, let's say some other guys by name too. This is not a negative. Here's what you kind of wonder about Anderson last night, of going in and he sees right tackle. We talk about Scott Lashley. They did not go against each other in practice because they missed each other. But if there's anybody that's got a book on Scott Lashley about, hey, this is something that you can do, this is how you can beat him to the inside. This is how you can beat him to the outside. This is, These are his weaknesses. It's not like Alabama is looking on tape at your right tackle last night. They've got a book folder full 
of practices that they can share with Mr. Anderson last night and say, okay, here's how you get to the quarterback. Do you remember the EA Sports college football? Yeah. I was the guy who went in and tweaked my teams so that basically everybody on my team had a 99 rating and looked exactly like I wanted them to. If Had I been making a defensive end, Will Anderson Jr. is kind of what I want him to look like. And last night he played like you would want a defensive end to play. You won't see guys like that many more times. Never mind this year. You won't see guys like that many more times at any level. I mean, th- this is a pro talent. Yeah, it is. And, uh, and let me say this too. So much was made about Alabama losing last week against a team that had a bunch of four and five stars over at Texas A&M. And I know we beat them. I know we beat Texas A&M. And I think that says a lot about Nick Saban compared to Jimbo Fisher, about how Nick Saban just doesn't lose to teams when there's a, a huge talent disparity. But that's a, another story for another day. This Alabama team is not the fifth best team in the country. Iowa is not better than Alabama. No. Cincinnati is not better no. than Alabama. Penn State is not better than Alabama. Alabama and Georgia are your best two teams in the country. We talked about in baseball season when we got swept here by Arkansas. Okay, if you want to look across the field and say where you are compared to where you want to be, you can look at that sideline last night and that you say, okay, that's where you would love to be and want to be and what you aspire to be because that is the gap. You're looking at the top end of the gap of what you saw last night. And on a little more positive note, what I would tell you is the gap between you and one of the top two teams is significant. The gap between you and the top three teams isn't nearly as big. In the SEC right now, you have to think Georgia, Alabama, those are the two. But after that, there's a bunch of teams that can beat each other. You know, you could say, look, Ole Miss has one loss. They've had two tight games with Arkansas and Tennessee. Arkansas, who we thought was good, who beat A&M, has now lost three in a row. Auburn, who I didn't think was that good, comes back and wins. Kentucky's, we still don't really know what Kentucky is, but they're pretty good. They're better. They're okay. Average age of 42. LSU beats Florida. Give Dan another raise. Monopoly money. (laughs) All right, so – Can we have one second there? Here's my issue. We go back the first year that Joe Moorhead was here, and everybody talks about, well, if Dan had been here, we would have done X. Dan's, what is he, two and six in his last eight games against Power 5 teams right now? Against Power 5 teams, Dan is two and six in his last eight. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say, hey, we got beat by Alabama by 40. Let's deflect the blame a little bit and start talking about a guy who had success here. But at the end of the day, he he had some games where he went on the road and didn't show. You look at some of these Alabama games where we didn't look like we even got off the bus. Well, that was the thing I was reading this morning. Of course, you wake up, and the first thing I instinctively do is pull up Twitter and that type thing, and I see, well, Leach hasn't got Alabama figured out. Well, who did? Who has? Yeah. Jackie had more success against Alabama than anybody we've had. He played them more competitively and won, what, four games? Yep, he won four or five one time. Now, LSU was his downside, but I'm not making light of it. I'm not saying it's okay. It's just kind of where we've been. All right, did you have anything else in your numbers that really stands out that we talked about on our Tracks Plus Deep Dig? And while you're trying to dig those numbers, I'll talk about our Tracks Plus Deep Dig we had this past Friday. Tracks Plus, they have four locations, one between here in Columbus on Highway 82. You've got the main store, the main hub is down in Hickory at the I-20 Hickory exit. 
some at Mississippi, then in Alexandria, Louisiana. And if you have any questions, if you're in any of those areas or driving through and you're like, you know what, I want to look at some equipment. I went down there one day and had just the best time in the world just walking around. I felt like a kid just looking at all these big trucks and big equipment. It was simply outstanding. If you're in Columbus, Daniel Bounds and Fred Fulton. If you're in Hickory, Ken Crosby, Gresh Howell down in Summit, Hoop Weems down in Alexandria. If you're looking online trying to figure out who to talk to, those are the guys. Tracks Plus, they bring you our Friday deep dig, and Tracks Plus got all that great, cool forestry equipment with Barco, and then Saney equipment if you're looking to move some dirt with some excavators. They got the bulldozers when you start looking at any kind of used equipment. Anything you need used equipment-wise, they're a huge used equipment dealer, especially on the forestry side. All right, so I do have a couple of numbers. These were not in our deep dig segment, but I thought this was interesting. You go back, and, and again, we've talked about we love pro football focus. We've got some other analytic sites that we look at. How about this? There are two categories yesterday that Alabama had their best grades as a team in this season. These same two categories, Mississippi State, had their worst grades of the season. Okay, I think one's got to be tackling because we just talked about tackling a minute ago. That is exactly right. We missed, and we talked about that, we missed 16 tackles in the the ball game. And that's the most we've had all year, I think. Alabama, three. What? They missed three tackles. That says two things to me. Number one, they're a really good tackling team. Number two, we are not good at breaking tackles not picking on our receiver core in the least because there's a whole bunch that goes into it. Where are you when you catch it? Are you moving? All these kind of things. Ultimately, I think this Mike Leach offense is better when you hit guys on the move and they have a chance to make plays one-on-one in isolation. We're not seeing that. So what you're telling me is this. Alabama had three missed tackles last night. You start talking about wide receivers, how many big plays they had. What Four touchdowns that went over 40 yards last night. And a lot of those, on those plays, there were some broken tackles. What you're telling me is we didn't have any kind of opportunity like that, period, because we couldn't miss tackles. We couldn't we could make guys miss tackles. So we had our worst game tackling. They had their best. And that works both against the tackler and the guy trying to break it. Okay, so that was the first category. What, what do you think the second was? Coverage. Yeah. So – I have not done it yet. I will at some point today pick up my iPad and start reading, and I will read about how we had receivers running wide open. How about this? Of all the games that Alabama has played, that was their best game in coverage in terms of a rating, one through 100 by pro football focus, by over 10 points. They graded a almost a 90 It was their highest grade of their team yesterday. They defended us very, very well. What did we not do? You flip it over to Mississippi State. It was our worst coverage game of the year. So we can get in. You know, you go back and you look. Interceptions, turnovers, and yards per rush, all that kind of thing. Ultimately, still football comes down to tackling, man. Well, I'll tell you this, too. I think scheme-wise, too. We looked at something yesterday, and this is just casual eye, and I want to really get into it and look at it. I thought Alabama defensively did some things completely different than anything we have seen. It looked like they didn't they didn't rush three and drop eight. They used some different coverages that we have seen so far. Now, here's the thing. You say, well, is that the blueprint for other teams going forward? I think 
they have the personnel. <laughs> they have the personnel to do what they want to do. But yeah, it, saying it's the blueprint is like saying the way you beat a basketball team is throw it up to let a guy take an alley-oop dunk. I mean, you can't replicate that without the guy who can jump up and catch it and dunk it, right? Yeah. That That's – this is just, you know, hey, the recipe for beating Auburn is to throw it 95. Well, not everybody's got that guy. Hey, you know, one of the things I brought up the other day and just kind of switch gears a little bit, when you start talking about Bryce Young and where he's been so good, what do we say? That area between 10 and 20 yards downfield in between the numbers, when you take out the drops and things of that nature, he was completing 84% of his balls. Talk about slant routes. You talk about drags. I'm sitting there in my mind last night going, man, he missed a pass in this area. What was he last night? 10 to 20 yards in between the numbers. Five of six for a perfect NFL passer rating. What? Yeah. He was good, wasn't he? In the middle of the field, he was really good. And he wore it out in that zero to 10 range, too. I think he was 10 to 12 on those passes. So, look, he was good. They're a good football team. They're not the perfect football team. They're a beatable football team. We Look, we saw it. They're really good. That's the best defense we'll see the rest of the way. I have to believe. I can't imagine we'll see anybody better coached or more talented defensively. And so if you want to look at it, Bart, you know, kind of the season starts next week at this point, right? It does. you got six games left. We're halfway point of the season. got to win three. We got Vanderbilt next. Vanderbilt, I mean, they, they lost in just a heartbreaking form and fashion yesterday. South Carolina drove the length of the field. Man, I tell you what, I bet that was a good one to watch. <laughs> don't you don't you just think that was appointment TV right there? Uh, they had to drive the length of the field, kick the extra point. Uh, South Carolina did it, won 21 to 20. I'll just tell you this. You've heard me chuckle a few times today. I've been fairly lighthearted. We roll in here next Sunday morning, losing to Vanderbilt. And uh, I'm going to need some of, some of y'all out there to offer me a job. <laughs> well, it might be our final broadcast. <laughs> well, so here's my question. Are they going to put the, the baseball guys right behind her and, and, and dance around right behind her bench? I mean, you got to pay it back, don't you? I, I think you pay I, it forward for next year. I think you do. Uh, hey, let's step away from our game one second because you and I headed to Bulldog Burger to do our postgame show and as we're kind of going through the game, we've got TVs all around us, and we're watching the end of the Ole Miss-Tennessee game. How about that? Um, look, far be it for me. to uh, This isn't a lecture on morality and fan conduct and all those things, but I remember having the thought earlier in the ball game that Ole Miss and Tennessee both risk turning football into soccer. We, there is something wrong right now with the fake injury epidemic that's going on yes trying to slow down offenses i despise it well i don't know what you do about it then that's the reason because the boy that cries wolf thing though because what's sad is you see somebody get hurt legitimately and now we have a crowd programmed to boo at the guy who's laying there injured yeah you just said you, you don't know what to do about it and i think that's the problem is you have coaches out there that that understand hey there's really nothing they can do about it so let's keep on doing it and that's what makes it terrible. And that's what makes it awful. And then all of a sudden you get everybody kind of ratcheted up. And I'm not. I'm definitely not making excuses. Here's the thing. And then last night, of course, everybody got mad at Mark Curls and his refereeing partners, Matt Holliday. He was suspended for one game for completely blowing a game against Memphis. But that's a sad point. Everybody was upset last night. Fourth down play, review. Was it the same review guy that we had? I don't know. And then they start throwing stuff on the field. Is that the first time we've ever seen that happen in basketball? No, we, we see that some in basketball. Here's my thing about what happened last night. One is, is it happened, and then you bring had to bring the sideline guys off the sideline 
Tennessee had to take their cheerleaders and band out of their own stadium, which <laughs> unbelievable. But then, as soon as all this crap's over with, they're still throwing bottles. Please stop throwing things on the field. Is Where's there not the a penalty, penalty flag? Oh, that's what I want to know. Is there not a penalty for it? Is there? I mean, isn't there a technical foul in basketball if something of that nature happens? If Ole Miss had lost that game last night, and let me tell you something, everybody out there in Radio Land knows, if there's an Ole Miss apologist, it ain't I, all right? If Ole Miss loses that game last night on the fourth down play, can you imagine the black mark for the league? Oh, my if, I, if If Tennessee comes back and wins that game. And then the question becomes, why were they not penalized? Why don't you know, run time off the clock? What can happen? And, I, and the commissioner came out and made a statement asking him, you know, and saying, hey, I'm trying to figure out the powers to be. Here's my thing, Charlie, all right? I know, say a guy gets hit with a cowbell in Section 3. Some guy gets mad and whacks him over the head. We may, may not. I think we do. Don't we have the eye in the sky? Don't ever, doesn't everybody have cameras that tells, you know, where people are if things of that nature happens, if there's a fight in the stands? If they don't, you got to mandate it, don't you? Don't you think as a league you have to mandate that every you have cameras on every seat in that stadium? And here's the thing. If I go to a golf tournament and I don't like Bryson DeChambeau and I throw a full water bottle at him, one, is they're going to escort me out, and two, they are going to arrest me. Going forward, you know when you walk in the stadium, if you throw a bottle, if you throw anything, you are subject to arrest. We will hunt you down, and we will arrest you, and this will put a stop to it in a heartbeat. And you actually have to follow through with it. It's You, know, you ask why in Omaha do they crack down people going on the field to stop people from going on the field in the future. There's a deterring effect. You know, I was talking about them turning it into soccer on the field. The problem is they turned it into a soccer crowd in the stands. And when I say soccer crowd, I'm not talking about the Chicago football club or whoever they are. I don't know anything about soccer. I'm talking about the, yeah, the, the FC English or hooligans, right? So, What does FC mean? Football club? Football club, I okay. believe. Yeah. So I was really surprised that they played the end of the game. And here's what bothered me about it from a crowd control standpoint. They go over. They take everybody in the first so many rows. They remove them. And then as soon as they restart the game, everybody in the rows above starts running down and filling up the spot. And you could say, well, they got control of it. They didn't. Did you see Kiffin make the catch of the water bottle headed into the tunnel? That's what I'm saying. They didn't stop. They, they didn't stop. Just a, bu- just a bunch of hooligans, as you said. You know who's not a bunch of hooligans? And not soccer fans? I don't know if they're soccer fans or not. Let me tell you who great people are. I mean, you, you talk about – let's talk about Tennessee for a moment and about how, you know, they're, they're not used to going to town and about how, you know, they're not, they're not used to – being on the spot. So like, these guys are the opposite of Tennessee. These guys are the opposite of Tennessee, and that's bank first. Bank first, all kind of locations in Mississippi and Alabama, they're great people. They are the anti-University of Tennessee. They're good people. If you're looking for a mortgage, if you're looking for commercial lending, man, they're they're blowing and going in every aspect. Right I'm now. betting that doesn't make the sign at any of their banks, though. <laughs> like the, <laughs> come on in, we're the anti-University of Tennessee. <laughs> we're the anti-Vols here. <laughs> no. I saw where the president came out last night and made a statement, and I'm sitting there going, hey, if, if you allowed a coup that allowed Philip Fulmer to become your athletic director – you can put out any statement in the world. I'm just I'm going to discredit you in any way. I saw somebody tweet that uh, this was the school that was 
too moral for Greg Schiano to be their head coach. Yep. So, but hey, if you're in the banking world, you need to need a good loan to get back to bank first. Tennessee might need a loan to pay their fine from the league. They should need a loan. What do you think their loan would need to be? How much would they need to go see my friend Dennis Bach to borrow tomorrow? Let me tell you this. If we're going to find somebody $250,000 to run out there and jump around and be happy, I think it's got to be at least $250,000. I think it's got to be at least that. I think a couple of things. First, and all it takes, let me tell you, and all it takes is two people in the basketball arena to make it look really bad. We're not talking about, and I saw where you know, Tony Barnhart came out and said, hey, it was just a handful of fans. And, I mean, anybody that says he's Mr. College Football, I, I'm, I, you know, that's another story for another day too. It was more than several. It was more than five. I'm talking about, we're talking about tens and hundreds. I'll say, if it was a couple of people, they were multiplying bottles like they were loaves and fishes. Yeah. I mean, that was – I think here's the bottom line. If you want to get control of this, it has to be severe, and it has to be severe in a way that Tennessee is almost crying this is unfairly severe, and it might need to be. But I'll tell you this, Danny White may proclaim a national championship at throwing water bottles. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'll say they'll repackage it. But I, one time I heard a guy say, now and then you just have to overreact. And I think this is one of those times where you have to overreact. You have to be willing to say, we're not going to put up with this. Because right now, there are 13 other schools looking at this league, looking at the commissioner and saying, what are you going to do about it? Our coach had golf balls. And look, nobody will ever accuse me of being a PR mouthpiece for the University of Mississippi. This isn't about them. It's not about Lane Kiffin. It's about the fundamental safety and well-being. I'll say this. If we're going to see guys like Kirk Herbstreet and all those guys go on TV and cry at the table about how Mississippi State and Tulsa put a black mark on the sport of college football, that wasn't anything compared to what we saw last night. Because what you had last year in the bowl game was some guys fighting. That happens. Football is a rough sport. In the heat of a game. But what you had yesterday was a big group of spectators putting not just football players that ought to be enough not just coaches that ought to be enough but it was bad enough that they thought they had to remove their spirit teams from the game we're gonna make the cheerleaders go inside where'd the mustard come from (laughs) who brings a golf ball by the way who brings a golf ball and it who, was a range ball. Did you see that? It was. I'm not going to throw the – hey, don't <laughs> don't throw the Pro-V, I think. <laughs> no, no, that thing's too expensive. <laughs> yeah. Hey, what you got in your bag? I got some mustard in here. Hey, let's throw that. It's like the red high heel shoes we saw in Oxford a few years ago. Anyway, hey, enjoyed it as always. We'll come back in the midweek on Wednesday for our Out of Left Field show. Then back next week. We it's got Vandy Hate Week. Vandy Hate Week. Can you – Dug out dancers. Twitter account will I'm, – I'm getting off Twitter if we lose. Oh, yeah. I'll have to. Yeah, their five fans are getting mad at you. All right, Charlie. Enjoyed it. Hey, thanks to our great sponsors once again. We're in the Farm Bureau studio. Who has more fans, Southern Miss or Vanderbilt? If a tree falls <laughs> in the middle. <laughs> thanks to our good friends at Tracks Plus. Or, or once again, the Strange Brew Coffee House. Bank first and beef. It's what's for dinner. So, appreciate you guys hanging out with us here on Sunday Coffee.